So one day in 2009, uh, when there was some especially strong wind, an entire 13-story building in China just fell over. Like, smack, fell over. You should see this picture because in some ways it looks like as if you had built a Lego tower and you know Legos are gonna stick together pretty well and it fell over and it was just like the whole building was lying on its side it wasn't really crumbled it was just lying there now this was a brand new development that had been uh, built in China for uh, low-income individuals uh, for those who um, had uh, less financial means and uh, there was a really good reason why this building collapsed. And it was really easy to figure out because since the building was lying on its side in such an obvious way, it was clear to see that the foundation was not very strong. For example, the foundation of my house, my little house, which isn't, is nowhere near the size of a 13-story building, was probably stronger than the foundation of this building, this massive structure. This uh, contractor had tried to cheat knowing that no one would be able to see the foundation. He underestimated the importance of the foundation. And so this multi-story building actually stood for a while and it's actually surrounded by a number of other buildings built by this same contractor, which likely do not have a strong enough foundation either. But the fact of the matter is that what he did was build a building with a weak foundation, and so it really didn't matter if it was a nice building, if it was a brand new building, if it had all the newest appliances, if it had really nice flooring. He could have made this building the nicest building in all of China. It wouldn't have mattered because the foundation was weak. And that's why the foundation of the building is most important. I don't know a lot about building something. I've picked up little bits and pieces when I've gone on mission trips about putting up drywall and, and how, uh, you know, nailing things. And, you know, my dad knows more about construction than I do. He did construction for part of his living. And I don't know a lot about that stuff. But I do know this. The thing they spend the most amount of time on in any building project is if, if you drive around the city and you see any of these massive buildings that are going up, you'll see how long there's these deep holes in the ground as they are preparing to lay the foundation. Sometimes it seems like it's a year before the actual building starts getting built because they're spending so much time digging out and preparing and laying the foundation because ultimately what the most important factor in this building's life is going to be is how strong is the foundation. Because if the foundation isn't strong, that building, just like the one in China, will fall over. It will collapse. That metaphor of a foundation is exactly what Paul is laying before us in this uh, scripture passage this evening from uh, 1 Corinthians. Paul is telling us that no matter how ornate the facade, no matter how beautiful the architecture, no, how, no matter how perfectly designed, if the foundation fails, the building will not last. 
Now, Paul here actually refers to himself as a skilled builder, but more precisely, when you look at what the Greek is from uh, that uh, was, bleh, when you look at the Greek that this was originally written in, it's this word sophos, which is kind of similar to the Greek word sophia, which is the personification of wisdom. And so sophos actually means wisdom in Greek. And so when he calls himself the skilled builder, he's actually saying, I'm the wise builder. Because Paul, if you don't know much about um, church history, Paul was the one who actually founded the church in Corinth. He started this thing that is now he's having to write a letter to because he got it going. He laid the foundation. He, he said he was wise and laid a strong foundation for you. And then he's writing and saying, I'm no longer with you, but the foundation remains and I have left others there to build up on it. Paul had moved on from First Church Corinth, but he had laid a strong foundation that was the beginning of this particular church. Now, church back then looked really different. It certainly wasn't in a sanctuary like this, uh, or maybe even like the one across the street at Metropolitan or any of the sanctuaries. It was in people's homes. It was a community. It was sharing meals. And Corinth, well, we could talk a lot about all of the different reasons that Paul writes them two and maybe three letters, because we think there's one that we never actually had, we've never actually found, was writing them. They, this was not a perfect church community. Paul's writing them to give them a lot of, uh, we'll say, constructive criticism because he wants them to be better. He wants them to do better. He wants to live this thing we call the Christian life better. And Paul is saying to them, sometimes in, in fairly harsh terms, you need to get your act straight because you kind of veered off what I set out for you. But know this, at the very base we have laid a strong foundation. You have a strong foundation, and there is hope in that foundation. Paul is telling the people of Corinth that you have a foundation that has been built not on my wisdom, but wisdom of God. Because Paul here is actually just like the builder. The worker sent out to actually lay down the foundation. Paul is not the actual wise one here. Actually, the wise one is instead the foundation in Jesus Christ. There's an old hymn that goes, Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It's precisely Christ's death and resurrection and his, uh, and his righteousness that makes this foundation so strong. Paul laid this foundation not on Paul's skills, not because Paul was so great, not because Paul had founded the community, but because Paul came and said, here is Jesus. It's not about me. He left this guy named Apollos in charge. He said, it's not about Apollos. It's not about any of the other leaders of your community. It's about Jesus. At the base of everything, we have this foundation. This is who we are. This is who you are. Our foundation is built in Christ who, when shaken to the core, taken to the cross, 
crucified, and died, and even was buried in a tomb. Even in the midst of all of that, Christ remained firm and strong because Christ rose from the grave. Even death couldn't break the foundation that is Jesus. And in that, showing us that the love of God is stronger than anything else. And then we have his life and his teachings. So not only is it this miraculous event that occurred where Jesus died on the cross and rose again, but we also have everything that he established for us, this new way that he came to show us, this foundation that Jesus laid. And so Paul is reminding them, you have a foundation in Christ Jesus. You have a foundation that is stronger than anything, a foundation that can't be shaken, a foundation that will never crumble, a foundation based on God's goodness and righteousness. You've been given the lessons, now live them. Paul goes on to list a list of materials that might be used in building what is on top of the foundation. And this list seems to go from some of the strongest materials like gold all the way to the weakest materials like straw. Almost as if to say, as once the foundation is built, has been built, what goes on top doesn't matter quite as much. In the sense that what gets built up on top it may change from time to time. In fact, sometimes it needs to change. He uses this imagery of fire and burning. And I want to be clear here that when he's talking about fire and burning, he's not talking about fire and brimstone in hell, where we might typically think of biblical imagery of fire, but he's talking about a, a different kind of fire, a purifying fire, a refining fire. And so, it's more like when a forest fire occurs. And, you know, in our day and age, forest fires often happen in places where people live, and so these can be deadly. But I'm talking more in the natural sense of when forest fires occur and they burn up the underbrush, and in that creates this uh, potential for new life. It creates more fertile soil. It burns away all of the things that might smother out the life. And from the ashes grows up new life. It's this refining fire that is cleansing. And then at the base is the foundation. So Paul here is saying that even if what you have built catches fire and burns down, know this, the foundation will remain. And from there, out of the ashes, you can rebuild. Because what is, what, what is left is refined, purified, more holy, more righteous. Maybe not perfect yet, because I don't imagine any of us go through anything and end up completely perfect uh, we, certainly, we certainly try hard to, to reach that, but this purifying fire, it's part of the process. And so the question I want to propose to you tonight, after hearing all about this foundation that Paul laid in Corinth for the church, that Jesus actually laid for us, this whole life that we're seeking to lead that is our foundation, how do you feel about your foundation? 
Is your foundation tonight broken? Do you feel like it's broken? Do you feel shaky? Does it feel like you're swaying in the wind and if the wind was just a little harder, you might fall down? What's your foundation made of? Where is it strong and where is it weak? Maybe tonight you feel that your foundation is broken or at least weakened. Maybe you see cracks in it. Maybe tonight you're looking at your life and you're saying, I don't know how I got here. There's good news. This is, after all, church, and we do preach the good news each week. The good news is that whatever cracks that might form, whatever parts of our foundation might seem to be crumbling, however weak we may feel, no matter what's gone on in our lives, there is something that can shore us up. It can shore up even the weakest of foundations and it can fix even the greatest of cracks. There's a, in Japan, there's a practice called uh, kintsuji, which if someone knows how to pronounce that more closely to accurate, please feel free to correct me later on. But it's this art of repairing broken pottery with lacquer, dusted or mixed with powdered gold, silver, or platinum. The story of this practice is told of a bowl that was much loved by a military ruler. One day, during a gathering, a servant accidentally dropped the bowl, which broke into five pieces. Everyone paused, fearing for the young man as the military leader was known to possess a quick and harsh temper. Then one of the guests improvised a comic poem about the incident, provoking laughter all around and restoring the leader to good spirits. The story goes on to say that instead of the break diminishing the bowl, a new sense of vitality and resilience raised its appreciation to even greater heights. The bowl had become more beautiful for having been broken. The true life of the bowl began at that moment. And from that day onward, mended bowls have been used and cherished for generations. These cracked, broken pieces that some people might want to throw away are seen as precious and often filled with gold. The Japanese believe that when something has suffered damage and has a history, that is part of what makes it more beautiful. So when we're thinking about our lives, we're t thinking about these cracked foundations, all of the things that go on in our lives, and sometimes these are minor things, or maybe major for us, but in the grand scheme of the world, not a big deal, and sometimes these are huge things in our lives. All kinds of different things can affect our lives, what is built on our foundation, how our foundation feels, how firm it feels. I want to suggest to you tonight that just like when the bowl is broken and brought back together, brought into a new life, we too can be brought back together. We too can be brought into new life. Jesus is calling us into that new life to find our brokenness, to find our pain, our hurts, 
those difficult times in our lives, to find them not as the ugly parts to be forgotten, but the beautiful parts that have made us more, that have made us more beautiful in being put back together. Christ who takes our most beautiful parts and our worst parts and mashes it all together, purifying us and makes us this new thing set on top of that firm foundation that is Christ. It's all based on this fact that the initial work of Christ is so very simple. You are forgiven. You are made whole in the eyes of God and you have been set free. Now that's the simple work. God kind of gets the easy part. Kind of. Depends on how much you think forgiving God forgiving you is a hard thing. But God gets the simple part because then comes the hard part. And that's when you forgive yourself. That's when you see yourself as whole. That's finding a way to look past what has been broken and seeing the beautiful. Seeing yourself as the whole and beloved child of God that you are. Beginning to love yourself again. So we're called to be like those pieces of pottery, broken and repaired. To not hide our scars. To not pretend like our lives have been perfect. That everything has just gone our way. I'll be the first to tell you that my life has had some troubles from time to time. For another time and another place, a year and a half ago, I broke. And nearly fell apart. And there is no timeline for how quickly we heal, by the way. There's no magic, you know, it's really nice to talk about putting the, po the pottery back together, and yes, that's a very tangible thing, but there's no timeline for how we get put back together. But as we find that healing, as we find that wholeness, as we find who we are, beloved child of God, Know this, we are made beautiful because of our scars, because of what we have been through. And at the end of the day, the foundation remains strong. Jesus, who is not ever tired of holding us up. Jesus, who already loves us. Jesus, whose love and righteousness, even now, is making us stronger. Amen.